paid good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. Coming home. Honey, Steiners are not quitters, we're fighters. I'm not a fighter, I'm a daily upper decker. Ah, ah, the upper Hey, it was him! It was I don't even know what that means. You went to undergrad at Barnett University. You were president of your sorority and popular with all the guys, right? I mean, yeah, little look at you. My son is a really good kid, but he's a recluse. I would like to hire you to go back, take him under your wing. You want to pay me to go back to Barnett? Yeah. Holly! I'm getting paid to go back to college, and you're going to come with me. You know, I'm really sorry. Get back to your station. My apologies. Juice boxes for everybody. We have until homecoming to get this kid from zero to hero. Well, how are you supposed to do that? This is Polly, and I'm Polly. We're actually thinking about going to Stillwater. You should come with us. We could convince the girl to come with us. You know, I was in a neighborhood, and I just wanted to see... Oh! Get out of here, bro! Why do you want to help me so much? We all deserve a second chance at a first impression. I want to dedicate this shot to my boy, Elliot. One, two, Step foot in here again. Care to make a wager on that? Booze Cathlon. If we win, Elliot gets a bid. And if I win? How about? Keys? Yes, the whole car, moron. You're on. My son get adjusted to college, not ruin his life. Just think of me as your little Jiminy Cricket. How do you feel it? How do you feel it? It's a Singer. Hope your second time around is fun. Give a little spanky spank. And that son is an important lesson in consent. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking with Andy Palmer. He is the director of The Re-Education of Molly Singer and is a brand new comedy that is opening on September 29th, 2023. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the interview. You've done a little bit of a lot of things, editing, directing, producing, etc. How did you get into the business? When I was a little kid, I wanted to be an actor. And then I declared as a theater major when I got to college. And then I met other kids that were highly talented in acting. And I was like, oh, you're not good at this. And I knew that I wanted to stay in it somehow. And that was right at the time when EV cameras had come out. And I had digital camera and plug it into a computer and edit it yourself. And so I became very fascinated with that. And that was it, man. I was on a trajectory from there. 
And then I got really uh, interested in editing. And that was the, that's how I built my way up. And I'm so glad I did because editing is, it teaches you so much about story from writing to directing and stuff like that. It's really like the rawest form of the storytelling process. And so that's, that, that was how. Do you tend to edit the stuff that you direct as well? I had until Molly, but it was really more out of like economic necessity. So I was like, our movies were lower budget. And, and that was really how I had made my living for the last 20 years. Being able to hire somebody that had my experience level, we just couldn't afford it. But I always say that to a director is like, hiring yourself as an editor is like hiring yourself as your own defense attorney. Like, it's an idea. So having the budget on Molly to have an editor, it was, it's just invaluable because it just brings that whole other perspective and that back and forth. And an editor will let you see things in ways that you never saw them and, and, and will fix problems that you created and stuff like that. that you can't see because you're, you bring so much with you as a director. You remember how hard it was to get that shot or how we had this location and I, it was so difficult. We got to show it and stuff like that. And the editor is always there to remind you that the audience doesn't know any of this. They don't care that your day was hard. They don't care that this shot took a long time to get. All they care about is the story and the characters. And if those aren't right, then nothing is right. So you really need that. Your editor on Molly, Tim Rush, I believe. Yep. And what was your relationship with him? So Tim and I had worked together a bunch on reality shows. So I, I do a lot of reality editing and Tim was was very eager to get into doing scripted stuff. And so he and I had collaborated on a movie called Collection, which was also written by Todd Friedman, who wrote Molly Singer. We went down to Alabama. We had a very tight schedule, so we cut that movie together. And, and then going back, initially I'd reached out to my female editor friends because I wanted, again, wanting that other perspective and having like a female lead and stuff like that. I was like, oh, it would be awesome to have that in the edit room to see the, make sure that I'm getting that. But all my female editor friends were just kicking butt on other shots. <laughs> and so I went back to Tim, who I love and trust. And we ended up, ended up being the best decision ever because he just killed it. So tell me, how did the re-education of Molly Singer, how did that come to you? Was it through Todd and having worked with him before? Exactly. So Todd and my producing partner, Warner, we were doing collection. We were editing and Todd and I just got on. We just, we're both pop culture nuts and we, or just like riffing back and forth. And he asked me what I wanted to do next because he knew I was a filmmaker as well. And I said, oh, I really want to do like a throwback comedy. Like I've been doing horror films and I love horror and stuff like that. Comedy is my first love. And he goes, oh, I got a throwback comedy film. And so he sent me the script and it was actually called The Re-Education of David Singer. So it was like a male driven and it felt very like, very funny, like 90s American Pie sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, this is great. I love the premise. I was like, let's like, freshen it up for the now. I was like, we've never seen a female Van Wilder and that would be really fun. Let's see that. And also I'm a weird science fan. It's like a mentor version of Lisa from weird science. There's like the awkward, oh, she's the beautiful woman that we created and think, but Lisa gets amazing later in the movie when she's mentoring Gary and Wyatt. And I was like, I want to skip Justin. I want to go right to, I want to go right to Molly teaching Elliot how to just be the coolest dude ever. Yeah, looking at your filmography, being familiar with some of the movies that you've directed over the years did just seem like such a different step for you. But tell me, how was it directing a comedy, especially after you have been doing so many horror films? It was way more comfortable because it was just, it's just where my brain is. And it's, it's funny, like 
making Funhouse Massacre or Witness Affection, which were horror comedies, it was very apparent to me and all the people around me that I'm much better at comedy stuff than I am, though. The horror stuff is a challenge for me. Creating tension and scares and stuff like that is just, it just doesn't come natural to me like the comedy does. And so what I really loved about horror more than anything was the horror fans in the community. Like when we would go to horror conventions or festivals and stuff like that, the horror fans are just, I don't know if you've ever been to like a horror hunt convention or something. They're the coolest people in the world. Just so nice. You just, the stories and everything. So I really fell in love with that, but my love for film has always been comedy. So tell me about your casting process, because you've got some great actors in here. Britt Robertson, she is just so captivating and just so funny in this movie. Yeah, she's amazing. I, I always approach the casting always from a fan perspective. I'm a fan of all these guys. I'm a fan of Miko and Superstore, fan of Jamie, fan of Sierra. I love Good Trouble and the Fosters, but Britt especially. I remember seeing her in Tomorrowland and I was just like, who is this person, this teenager that is literally her and George Clooney are just going toe to toe. And she's, and she was just her comic timing. It reminded me of a Ryan Reynolds S sort of comic timing and stuff like that. She just delivers lines perfectly. And she was one of the first people we sent the script to, and she came on board and then really snowballed. I think when you have somebody that's as respected as Brit, all the other actors go, Oh, this is cool. Yeah. We want to, we, we want to jump on this. So that was a process. And then my casting directors, Shannon McCainian and Gabrielle Amagar, amazing, just amazing talent. Shannon knew Ty. I didn't know much about Ty. I had seen him in Insidious and stuff like that. She's like, but I think he's going to be amazing. He just did this movie called The Whale. And I was like, this kid's going to want to work with me after working with Aronofsky. I was like, that's quite a step down, Shannon. <laughs> Honestly, I think it was the greatest thing in the world because Ty was coming off. The Whale was an emotional movie and, and working on, I think, an Aronofsky set is, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that and stuff like that. And so I think for Ty to come on a set like ours, it was just so relaxed and chill and fun. It was just a very nice breather for him. Once Kevin and Todd and I had reworked the script, we started setting out to, to actors and Britt came on right away. And then we cast, actually cast Wendy McClendon Covey from the Goldbergs and Reno 911 as Brenda. And so she came attached and then it was just snowballing from there while we were raising financing and also waiting for COVID to basically allow us to open back up a little bit. And then we got pushed to the point where Wendy had to go back to the Goldbergs, but we have the rest of our cast. And so then it became like, we had to get Brenda at the last minute. And luckily again, thanks to Shannon and, and Gabrielle, Jamie Presley came aboard and then Jamie ended up being, I think the perfect Brenda. Once we had the talent attached, we were able to raise the financing. We picked Atlanta because of all the resources and there's just tons of colleges down there and stuff like that. And the challenge is everybody was shooting in Atlanta when we were down there. We were the low man on the totem pole going up against Marvel shows and stuff like that. And so we would constantly losing crew to bigger and better shows. We were losing locations last minute and stuff like that. So behind the scenes, it was this sort of controlled chaos. And luckily, my producer, Warner Davis, and our line producer, Eli Barker, who I've worked with forever, these guys are just, they're cooler than the other side of the pillow. And any challenge that was thrown our way, they were able to pivot. And then for me and my DP, who has done, Philippe Vanuel, who's done every movie, we're able to be like, okay, we have this location last minute. Here's how we're going to shoot instead of the way we had it in our head and stuff like that. So I think the actors didn't feel it, but certainly behind the scenes, it was pretty stressful. It was crazy. 
in, in a way that was like, you're doing, not only are you doing, it wasn't like four people in a room and you're dealing with that COVID. It was like, you're testing three times a week and we have 60 background ex extras in house partying and stuff like that. And so it's, there was that sort of nervousness all the time. Every single day you would test the next day. You're like, is everybody good? Well, I mean, it was right after the boosters came out and everybody was masked up and we were cool. It was like, everybody just did their thing and we, we made it through. And it was like the COVID became almost the easiest part compared to the locations and the crew replacements and stuff like that. It seems like there's also a challenge of just, and not to stereotype anybody, but just dealing with so many cast members, especially so many extras and so many young people. It was a balancing, but fun. I did Funhouse Massacre, which was very similar in this, this idea that you had just this crowd of people and stuff like that. And a lot of it too is for me, Philippe and I are, we are, we always approach everything from a blocking perspective. It's not so much like shots and stuff like that. It's just like, okay, we're putting all these people in this space. How do they move within the space and stuff like that and creating that dance. And that's really fun, especially for things like the boost Cathalon and stuff like that. And our AD crew was so amazing, Mark and, and Andrew, because they had everybody broken up. Okay, you're, this whole group is left side of the room. This whole group is right side of the room. Okay, left side of the room. You rotate in. Everybody that was in the front, now you're in the back. And it makes it feel like you take 30 people and it makes it feel like a hundred, this little kind of dance and forth. Has the film, has it played any place yet? Or are you coming up on your premiere? This is it. 29th. Yeah. Is our big premiere. Yeah. So limited theatrical and VOD. So yeah, you, everybody's going to get a, a first chance to see it next week. Have you seen it with an audience yet? Once. So one time we did a cast screening a few months ago and most all the cast came and it was a blast. Everybody was laughing in the right spots, but yeah, we haven't, we didn't do like a festival run or anything like that. So next weekend, actually, Zach Shear, who plays Stu, our villain, Stu, his hometown of Peoria and only find out that he's like the lead in this movie. And it's like one of his first leads. They went crazy, local press, everybody. And so they, it's playing in not one, but two theaters in Peoria. And Zach was like, you got to come back to me in my hometown. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Like what a better place. So I'm actually flying to Peoria with Zach and we're watching it with his entire hometown next weekend. Now you get to see if it plays in Peoria. That's fantastic. If it plays in Peoria, listen, where can it not play? <laughs> and you get such good performances from everybody across the board in this movie. And just everybody feels so tight and well-organized. It's just the chemistry between our characters, especially between, I would consider the three main leads. Just great. How did you find working with these actors? It's so easy. I personally love working with actors that do a lot of TV because TV actors are just the level of polish and professionalism is just insane because they're just, it's just repetition. They just do it all the time and they so easily fall into stuff. And everybody's process is a little different. Brit is just, she's so meticulous. Her binder with the script inside was like this thing. And in which you would open it up, it would just be like copious notes, breaking down beats and everything like that. And so her level of prep is just insane. Nico would like the night before he would grab the sides and, and come to me the next day. And he's like, hey, I want to try these 14 things instead of this liner here. And I'm like, yeah, awesome. Let's do that. Ty coming off of this sort of heavy drama and had not done like a kind of a broad comedy like this before. He was very much thrust into the Elliot role where he felt like a fish out of water especially the first couple of days, but because he's so talented 
instead of floundering on a performance basis, he like, he took that level of uncomfort and just put it into the character. And so he and I worked a little bit on like just tweaking the differences between comedy drama and drama drama, the way that you deliver. And then once that clicked and once he saw everybody else, he ended the movie, he's like a freaking comedic genius. And so just try to do most of my directing and count. And once we get the set, leave him alone. So are you hooked now that you've done a full-fledged comedy? There's no stopping now. I'm all about the jokes. I'm all about the laughs now. You mentioned how Nico wanted to do different things. It sounds like you're pretty open to ad-libbing and just exploring. 100%, yeah. I'm like, I'm a sucker for tone. And I think that kind of comes from my editing background where it's, I know totally where this, where the scene or the movie needs to be. I need, I know where we need to feel, but the words can be any which way. And really it comes down to what do the actors feel comfortable with? There's a lot of elements that I wrote with Todd and Kevin and stuff like that. And I'm very wordy. I'm a very Kevin Smithy. I love big, I like big monologues with just like tongue twisters and stuff like that. And Brit would go and break that down beat by beat and stuff like that. I love the line where she's talking to Brendan. She's like, look, I took this kid from wanting to run away with his tail tucked between his chinos to wanting to get the badger fights on tattooed on his forehead, post Malone style. That is just a word salad. And a lot of actors would look at that and be like, oh my God, there's a way easier way to say this. And that was actually Jamie. Jamie would take her stuff and she's like, I don't want to do this wordy. I know how I would say this directly. And I'm like, okay, cool. You do your thing because it still fits the tone and it fits her character. And then would, would take the, the hours of the day and interpret my stupid word salad and then deliver it exactly like I had it in my head. So it was, you don't give the actors that freedom, especially on a comedy, then, it, then they're just an extension of you. And I want them to be the extension of the character. Andy, thank you so much for your time and best of luck with everything. I hope everything so goes much. great. I look forward to people being able to see this on September 29th at their hopefully local theater or on demand. That's right. Hit that buy button. Keep me in the manner of which I'm a cousin. Look at my dog. I have to keep him in dog bones and dog beds. He's adorable, by the way. <laughs> All right. You have a good rest of your day. Good luck with this. Appreciate All it. Right. Cheers. Bye.